Oh, someone's at the door. I'm so sorry about that. Um, that was the postie and he said, keep smiling. Hey, Michelle. Geordie, hello. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. I'd just like to welcome everybody to this week's episode of this is the podcast yeah. where you get to listen to Michelle and I just talking about <laughs> fucking random shit. We used to have a catchphrase. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of gone because we're just doing. Well, it's more the super random, isn't it? We've but gone anyway. off on the random tangent. So anyone who's signed up or joined in for more paranormal chit chat, don't worry, that's coming back. We just, you know, we also like to talk about human nature, don't we, Michelle? Yes, we do. And I guess uh, that leads a little bit into what we're talking about this week. Uh, basically, hometown murders. Moida. Moida and mystery. You know, it's funny. When you talk about, like, when you listen to your murder podcasts, which you do and I do as well, and you hear these hometown murders, you think, oh, my God, that sounds terrible. But you don't realise when you when you go back through time and your memory and through the muddy sands of memory, you realise that some shit's happened to you as well. Well, it certainly has to me. Well, basically, we were friends with a murderer. That's right. Fuck! And we've been hinting at this for some time and I think today is the day that we're going to finally delve deep into the story of... David Pike. Now, look, Geordie, I actually wanted to sort of think about how we started to even talk about David Pike. I don't know. I think it goes back to when we were first trying to figure out like what we were going to do in the podcast. And, and do you remember we had ideas that maybe we were going to do a murder podcast, but everyone's doing murder podcasts, whatever. Did we say that we were and, going to do murder? I thought it was menopause. Oh, <laughs> it's all the M words. <laughs> murder, menopause, metaphysics. We, it's all the M's, Menopausal but, murder mayhem. <laughs> That's what it's going to be today. But I I don't know. I I can't remember how we got onto the onto talking about David Pike and kind of realized that even before we knew each other, we had both had a connection to this murder. Well, despite the fact that we were both in Canberra at the same time, like you lived there, I was only there for a few years in my mid to late teens before I moved to London. And we didn't know each other, but we did have friends who did. And that's how yeah. we actually met in London. Once I had Killian, my big boy now, and you came over on a holiday, a European trip with your then boyfriend, who I knew. And you came yes. and gave me a wedding present. And that was the first time I met you. Blake knew you and we he was like, oh, there's this girl in London. Uh, she'll let us sleep on her floor. It's always and the did. way with the Aussies. <laughs> <laughs> they don't reciprocate, My though. God. When you oh, go to Australia, God. they don't offer up their floor. Let me tell you. Oh. Australians, <laughs> pull your finger out. If you've slept on people's <laughs> floors in any other country, you ought to allow people to come sleep on yours. It's true. It's true. But, yeah, even before we knew each other, we weirdly both had this murder in common without even knowing about it. And I think, um, look, you seem to have more of a connection, and I do too, but your your memory of this was super full on. So look, I'll I'll just go back a little bit mm. um, and give a bit of uh, detail here, just so we have some background. May thirty first, nineteen eighty seven, a guy called 
David Glenn Pike. I didn't even know that was his no. middle name, but that's reported in all the newspapers. I mean, we just knew it was David Pike. So he was 19 at the time, and he strangled a girl called Jennifer Margaret Young, who was 28. Um, he strangled her to death in her flat in Lyons. Now, for anyone listening who's not from Canberra, um, from memory... Like back then, Lyons was just a pretty average suburb and it's on the south side of Canberra and it's kind of near those posh suburbs, right? Like, like Monaco? La- I was thinking more like Hughes and O'Malley. I don't even you know, know those really ones. That. Well, yeah, too posh for you. Um, but look, Thanks, and, Michelle. I know. But do you know what? Posh I, now. Are you? I'm Go married on, to a man now. with a double-barreled surname. Well, I'm engaged to a guy who skis. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, look, at Lions, I, from memory, it's on the edge of, of Western Creek. And I think back then, and I don't know what it's like now, but I think back then there was a lot of govy housing. Which means, Michelle, that's like council houses. Govy. Yes, council counts, I think govy is short houses. for government, isn't it? It is. I, I, lived, I grew up in a govy house. Um, but yeah, I mean, because there was a lot of government housing there, there are lots of low-income earners and, you know, disadvantaged members of the community and people on benefits. So I don't know for sure that I would probably say this girl, Jennifer, we'll call her Jenny, who was murdered, I think she was most likely in a govy flat. For me, the reason that I knew David Pike is very different to how to what your encounter was with him because... I first met him, and look, you know my memory is shit. I actually don't know if I've got this correct or not, but I was working at Macca's in Dixon, McDonald's. Employee of the week. Employee no, of Matt. the week. Oh, do you know what? I got bad apple because I talked Bad too apple much. of the week. <laughs> I of did. The month. I was always in trouble for chit-chatting and giving away free shit through the oh, drive through Anyway, um, so I was working at McDonald's, and through the McDonald's crowd, and look, I, I do have a super vivid image of David Pike in the <laughs> maroon and white striped um, McDonald's outfit. Is that with like the, the supervisor's the visor. outfit? No, that we all had to wear. Oh, it was God. like polyester, literally go up like with the flame. You know, oh, it was no, just one spit from a hot fat from the chip fryer. From the chip fryer. And you're on the floor, and- stop, drop and roll. Oh, <laughs> Stop, drop and roll immediately. (laughs) So, look, I don't know. I seem to have a a vivid memory of him, like with the the visor. You know how we always had to have those. I'd kill for one of those visors now. I know, they're so handy. You know, you don't get that sweaty hair on the top. Exactly. But, um, yeah, so I, I have a feeling he worked at McDonald's, but it's definitely a McDonald's connection that I knew him. And through that weird shit happened with him and my friendship with him he was into all these like super weird I want to say Dungeons and Dragons but it wasn't it was like next level shit where he was role-playing games that kind of thing cosplay was there any cosplay involved where you dress up as a dwarf or a I don't know maniacal sword wielding priest or something (laughs) anyway um Look, David might have been dressing up. I don't know. But what I va- what I really clearly remember is that he was covered in cuts uh-huh. on his back particularly. He told me that he How got How are you saying his back? He showed me. Ooh. 
And it was all these bloody scars and cuts everywhere. And he had said he'd been flayed by a demon from another world. Wow. And yeah, and he asked me to join this secret society. And I was young, like, because I'd lied to get my job at Macca's. I don't even fucking know how they gave me that job because I think I started working there when I was just before my 14th birthday. I was still 13 and I looked nine. Like, what idiots. But anyway, so I was really young when I met him and I I got freaked out by this guy wanting me to join some secret society where they like flay each other Ooh. and end up with cuts all over them. So you backed and off. I did back off. Mm. I did back off. Similar to my feeling when I met him as well, actually. He was a weird guy. Mm. You know, he was a weird guy. And I've got lots to talk about, which is, but yeah, about because that element. I have of to him. say that after these events occurred, I walked away and never looked back, never thought about it again until we started talking about it. But I'll tell yeah. you, I tell you what my recommend, why, what my recollection is of that time. Yeah, please. Well, I had just newly moved to Canberra from Batemans Bay, as you know. I was 16, I think, uh, in 1987. And I've just given the game away now. Everyone knows how old I am. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you're, a bit, you're a barely born in 1987. <laughs> anyway, I'd moved to Canberra. I was living with friends or I was... At first, I was boarding with someone. It didn't work out. And I ended up then moving in with friends. But I met most of my friends at a place called the Chess Pit in Civic, the town centre of Canberra. And there, it was called the Chess Pit because it was a pit with a chessboard painted on it. Yeah, painted yeah. on it. Yeah, And there was also was Garima Place. Garima Place, mm. yeah. And there was also some uh, park benches, green benches that everybody used to just sit on after school was finished. You'd go there and you'd find your mods, your rockabillies, your swampies, your goths, your punks. Yeah. Everyone would be hanging out together and no In one, yeah, no one seemed to have a home to go to. I certainly didn't. And uh, you found your tribe, which was great because I didn't have that in Batemans Bay when I was at school in Maria High School. I was being singled out and teased mercilessly for for being different or wanting to yeah. pursue an alternative lifestyle or whatever it is you'd call it. So it was then I'd met quite a few characters and David Pike was one of them that just turned up one day and he was older and he didn't seem like the rest of us. He seemed very cocky and swagger and all of this. And he kind of took the fatherly kind of uncle kind of role amongst the group of us. And he was there every really? day. Yeah. And he really took a couple of the, the boys under his wing. And those boys were a little bit naughty. So they used to get up to all sorts of things. But then he'd be, you know, regaling us with stories of like, they do things like they, they broke into a chemistry lab. They do lots of shoplifting. They broke in overnight to a chemistry or maybe the ANU chemistry department or something, and they stole lots of pigs' adrenaline. Stuff wow. like that. They'd come back and tell oh us, my yeah. God. And then one day he came out and said, after we'd gotten to know him a bit, uh, he came out and said that he did belong to this group, underground group called Checkerboard. And I thought, it didn't occur to me at the time, but I did look at the chest pit and think, where'd you get, where'd that come from? <laughs> Think long and hard before you make up a name. Just say what you see. Anyway, he said it was run by adults and they were recruiting people like him and people like us on the fringes of society. And I was thinking, we're not on the fringes of society. We just have, we just like having our hair different and wearing different clothes. But anyway, he said, you know, different people, you know, different kids, definitely kids, you know, teenagers. Yeah. He, they were looking to recruit these people because they were 
infiltrating in an MI6 or whatever way. Oh, God, he told me this as well. This is all ringing bells Yeah, now. to break up terrorist cells or to bring down the government. I don't know what it was, but that's when I started to think, you're not 100%. You're making this shit up. I didn't think there was anything <laughs> mentally wrong with him. I did think he was just really into lying and really into making himself the big man. And at one point, I just ended up th- thinking, oh, God, here he is again. We'd be sitting having our baked cheesecake at Gus's Cafe. And here they come. And everybody comes and sits at your table and eats your cake. And they were there just chatting about what they'd been up to the night before. Anyway, so that was that. So he always had money as well. He always had a lot of money, it seemed. I don't know yes. if he did. Yes. I can't remember if I saw that money, but it was something that we didn't have for sure. And he was promising everybody something. He had a list. He made a list for of everybody. And I was on one of those lists. So I was going to get a bass guitar. And at one point, he invited us all over to his parents' house. Oh, my God. I went to his parents' house too. Yeah. So we all went yes. to his parents' house. A bunch of this. I don't even know where it was. Somewhere in Belconnen side, the... South, that's south, isn't it? I, I can't remember well, look, where that is. He went to Lynham High, so maybe... That's your neck of the may, woods, isn't it? That's my neck of the woods, and I think he probably lived around there, and that's probably why he knew a lot of people that I knew um, from McDonald's because, you know, all those um, high school kids from around that inner city um, area were all getting jobs at, oh. at Dick, Dicko Mackers. Dicko so. Mackers. That, Dicko Mackers. There's nothing more Australian than shortening absolutely every word. Dicko Mackers. Where are you going? Oh, Dicko Mackers. Anyway, so we all went to his family home, met his parents. Uh, he seemed to have the room, I think it was a basement floor of his room. The room is at the bottom. And that's when he yeah. promised me a bass guitar because he knew that I wanted to be in a band. And I had a shit bass, uh, which my mum bought me, bless her heart, mail order from Japan or China or somewhere like that, that I'd been in the school band in Maruya, the school rock band. At least you had one. I did have one. Yeah, you're right. My mum was so good. She put that thing together. The strings... She would boil the strings to make them sound better. You know, she oh. she was amazing. She did all. Oh, there was rattling Robert. in it, and she fixed it. Go, mummy. Anyway, God, she's the best. She really is. But anyway, that day I remember leaving and thinking, I'm not getting any any bass guitar out of this guy. And if I do, do I really want it? Because it's just he's full of shit. Yeah, and he and he did have this weird, commanding way of speaking that did. Initially, before you realised he was just fucking making all shit up. Yeah. You know, he really did convince you that he he wanted to do good, yeah. he wanted to help you, he wanted to give you things. That like- we were different and we were special. Mm. That was the other message. Yeah. But I remember start, yeah. I started to, and I was a very gullible young girl at, the, at that stage of my life. I started to roll my eyes a bit. And then eventually he told us this story and we were all thinking, oh, and here's another bullshit story. He told us that last night... So this is so we saw him the next day. Where were you? Back in the chess pit. I was either in the chess pit or in Gus's. I feel like I was either in those yeah. two places whenever I'd see him because he'd people would see you sitting outside in Gus's cafe and they'd come and join you and all the gang would be there. Like I might be there with a couple of girls and then the boys would be coming over and to tell us all the latest. So he told us that the night before he'd been at this woman's house. I can't remember the details. I don't think he told us her name. But she was he was instructed to kill her by the chess checkerboard people. So then he, he went through the details of what he'd done to her. And I do remember some of the details, which weren't very nice. Oh, God. He told yeah. us that he'd jumped on her 
voice box. That's the one detail oh that God. I remember. And I was just like, oh, you've gone too far, mate. I don't know about this. We, we all kind of walked off looking at each other, rolling our eyes and thinking he's absolutely full of shit. What a crazy story. But then I went home that night and I remember I was actually still uh, boarding with this woman at the time. And I saw the news and it was outside a block of flats in Lyons, which is where he told us, he did tell us where it was. So that's why I was like, what? This young woman, maybe he told us her name because it all was like tick, tick, tick. When I was watching the news, I rang my parents and I said, what do I do? Did your blood run cold when you saw that? It absolutely did. I I almost (gasps) couldn't believe what I was hearing because it was so accurate to what he had told me that was so that was the day of him telling so it had happened the night before so then next day I mum told me I should go to the police station which I did first thing in the morning and of course three or four or maybe even up to 10 of us in the end were all there giving our report to the police one by one and then we were all talking about this list that we were all on and one girl said to me it was a hit list and Fuck. he was going to go through it all one by one. And you were on the list and you were on the list. And oh so we're all God. getting all excited. And then the next thing after that, obviously, I don't know what happened between that. But I do remember I went to the first day of his trial and he with a bunch of the, the pals. So we all sat yeah. in because you could just go into the courts in Canberra and sit down. We were yeah. all sitting together and he turned around all happy smiles, waving at us. I think what? he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And that's my last recollection I don't even recall what was said in the court that day I I went through like a lot of archival um clippings from the Canberra Times so we can get to that but fucking hell you know he you don't expect I mean because obviously he did have a a reputation for being a bullshit artist but you just don't expect that somebody is telling you a real life fucking murder. No, not know? when he built and not up at that age so many too. stories already, which yeah. were like, really? Yeah. Yeah. God. And I mean, obviously it's a long time ago, but it's funny because I had just forgotten this whole memory until bizarrely you and I started talking about it, you know, in the last year or whatever. It's it's terrifying to think that we knew a murderer. And especially for you, you had so much more interaction with him than I did. Well, it was daily for a while. I can't remember the timelines at all. But you know what? He he was mentally ill, Michelle. Yes, he was. But do you remember in 1987, mental illness was not even a phrase that was widely used in the media. People didn't talk about mental illness. You know, people who had mental illness were just the weird kids in your class who were loners or whatever. But he sort of seemed at that point to have friends. Like he always had people around him that I can remember. All the gang in the chess pit adored him. All the boys anyway. The girls, not so much. The girls were a bit Did he ever have a girlfriend? By. Did he? Because I don't. No, not that I know of. I can't remember. Because I don't remember him too ever creepy. having a girlfriend. Yeah, but, you know, he wasn't a bad looking guy. No, he wasn't. But you he was know. too creepy. He was creepy. He had like... He had the creeps vibe about him. So tell us, Michelle, what did you discover when you went, you did a deep dive? What happened? Yeah, I did. Tell us more. How did he know this girl, Jenny? So look, I I think I'm just going to read out um, an archival piece from the Canberra Times. Um, Let's hear it. the newspaper. Okay. Well, look, this one's from 19th of August, 1987. Um, Actually, before that, there were a few mentions of this case and... uh, The first is like five days after he murdered Jenny. 
And the Canberra Times reported that he was refused bail and that he was going to be remanded into custody for another five days under close supervision. Is that because Um, he was absolutely mad? Do you know what? I don't. They don't go into why he needed this supervision, but look, we both know he was an oddball. And look down the line, they actually do talk about um, his mental illness. And then there's another piece on the 10th of June, so 10 days after the murder. Um, Mm. And I mean, I shouldn't laugh about murder cases, but this kind of made me laugh because. It's not really lighthearted, you know, (laughs) relief during this awful story. It is awful, but I'm not laughing at the case. It's more the reporting style because, and I'll quote this, Mr. David Glenn John Pike, 19, unemployed of no fixed address, allegedly stole $764 keys, a quantity of white powder and a quantity of green vegetable matter belonging to Ms. Young from her flat in Lyons. Hang on. Wait, what's green vegetable matter? Is it dope? Well, I was reading this going, what? So he stole some flour and a zucchini and made a fucking frittata or something. Like, (laughs) of course, it has to be like heroin and pot. But they won't say it in the the newspaper. A quantity of white powder and a quantity of green vegetable matter. Green vegetable matter. matter. So (laughs) stupid. Anyway, um, so it says then that... uh, that Pikey was remanded in custody until June I don't know 15th. if you should call him Pikey, oh, Michelle. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> David Pike was was uh, remanded in custody until June 15. So you can already see by this timeline that he's, like they've extended the period of time when he's been remanded in custody. Okay. So I don't know if that means they could already see that he was like a dangerous lunatic or something was not right because... Well, he killed a woman with his bare hands, so... <laughs> that might have something to do with it. Yeah. So then... And he's, what, 19 years he's old? He's 19, mm. yeah. So then the the case goes quiet in the media for a few months. And then on the 18th of August, um, still in 1987, the Canberra Times ran another article with the headline that said, Doctor says man said killing is easy. Ooh. Yeah. Fucking chilling, right? So in this article, it says David Pike told a police officer that, in commas, killing is easy and he thought he might try it again. Oh, my God. Fuck, right? And, you know, this is three months down the track. So, you know... Obviously, like the case is already being heard at this point. And Can I quickly interject? I'm sorry. I know that you're on on the roll here, but it's just coming back to me as you're reading out these facts. Yeah, tell me. Not nothing major. Just the way he was really lapping it up in court. He wanted attention. Oh God, that's fucking scary. It's terrifying. I mean, that's not going to do you any favors in court, is it? If you're trying to get off a murder charge, like waving and smiling. Hey guys. Hi everyone. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for coming down. <laughs> you know, I'm so want a canopy. Thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fucking crazy. So look, what we find out in these these articles um, is that David. We shouldn't pa- be too hard on him, by the way, because I know he's a murderer, but he did have mental illness. It's he been did. discovered. So we've got to be careful how we how we tread. I think because. Look, I'm not. I'm not saying. No, of course. That he's he, crazy. What a nutter! Blah blah blah. We're not saying that at all. No. Obviously, clearly, he is mentally ill. Yes, of course. And he needed help. 
Yeah, but he, he didn't get any. He got no, no help. And, and this is the thing about society today. People slip through the cracks. Well, they do. And and look, it's really interesting because in in one of the, the articles, um, because at this point we find out that he actually was charged with having murdered um, Jenny in her flat. And uh, they actually name her street as Launceston Street. Oh, do you Launceston? Know, isn't that Launceston? Isn't that pronounced Launceston? That's isn't that in Launce- Tasmania? I don't know. Maybe Launceston. Launceston. Launceston I, as you know, Street? I'm a little bit of a stickler for pronunciations. We might have to get back to that on the <laughs> old four though. I'm going to check it out. Launceston or Launceston? Launceston. Well, I feel like I know that street. I don't know how because oh. I was never really like much over the the south side. I was a, a north side Bell North girl, but um, and to, I mean. I think you were. Are you allowed these days to even give street names? Name streets. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, it know. was back in the eighties, so you know maybe they were, and before the internet, really, in eighty seven, so maybe they could give out this information. But anyway, it ran in the Who Counter Times. I do remember a friend lived. of ours uh, from Australia came to visit me once, Mandy Hughes, and she <laughs> said uh, one day reading the paper at my house in London. I can't believe this. They've got pictures of dead bodies on the front of your paper. We don't allow that in the Australian media. And it wasn't like a dead body. It was it was actually like a war situation. Yeah, I, huh. I'd never thought of it before. I'd never thought about that either. Anyway, uh, this news article goes on to say that a police forensic medical officer examined David on June 2. So that is a couple of days after the murder. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told the court that David had a, a history of psychiatric treatment, which I didn't know this. I don't think anyone who knew him knew this. And uh, apparently he'd spent six months in a psychiatric hospital in Sydney two years earlier. Oh. Yeah, before I knew him, before you knew mm. him. Um, and And look, there's another article actually where it goes on to say when he was a kid and like under five... Uh, he had trouble mixing with other kids and mm. was never accepted by other children. Um, there was an, a point where he drank kerosene, nitric acid and Perspex oh cleaner. God. Yeah. yeah. And ended up obviously in the hospital three times. And well, I, I heard in reports, sorry to interrupt, that he was self harm like a year before the murder, he was self-harming with glass needles and razor blades. But that is insane, drinking all that. Yeah, but this is when he was a kid, like under five. Oh, under five. age. So I've also heard that he was a compulsive liar since he was a child as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it says he, he had like socialisation problems and issues with women, which is really interesting. And oh, and then, but then at age 11, uh, he was assessed and they told him he had an IQ of 150. Now, I looked this up because I don't really know what that means. What was Keith Ranieri? Hey, well, I 300 don't... and something, wasn't he? No, he couldn't be because I looked, what was look, it? I Googled it because I thought, well, fuck, I don't know what 150 means. And so yeah. apparently 85 to 114 is average intelligence. Okay. Then 115 to 129 is above average or bright. Right. 130 to 144 is moderately gifted. And 145 to 159 is highly gifted. Okay. So the dude was super smart. But it said in this article that he had been prone to bragging 
and showing off, which is exactly what you just said. Oh, my God, Keith Ranieri. Oh, my God. It is Keith Ranieri. Yeah. Do you, do you, well. You can go mm. either way, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he definitely was trying to corral us into some kind of, you know, cult almost. Not a cult, but if he, if he could have, he would have, but he didn't have the organization skills. No, but he wanted to get me into this organization, which I didn't know it was called Checkerboard at the time, but it fucking was. And, you know, he was trying to recruit all of you. So he did have this thing about him, trying to build his army, mm. you know, behind him. But um, look, it also said in the paper that he had tried to commit suicide at age 14. I've got that as well, yeah. Did you know that about him? No, I I did a little bit of digging. I couldn't find much about him, not nearly as much as what you found. But yeah, it does say at 14 he had a serious suicide attempt, which must have been when he went to the hospital in Sydney because back then I had another friend around that same time who did make an attempt on their life and they were sectioned into that hospital wing uh, 12b i think it was called yes 12b that was remember? famous yeah people used to mm. always joke oh yeah you'll end up in 12b B, yeah, yeah of course but um, that's what you they have to do it if you've yeah. made an attempt on your life then that's mental health issues and you go straight into psychiatric care yeah well you know it, it this article also says that he he lived in western australia and the family moved to canberra in 82 and he went to Lynham High, and apparently he was a real loner there. And actually, he was diagnosed with um, attention deficit syndrome. So is that AD something? Is that an one AD of those AD something? or ADHD? I don't know. One mm-hmm. of those AD numbered letter combos, whatever. And so basically, like just from this article, I, you, you just get the feeling that at school he was just that kind of weird loner kid, you know that kind of nobody liked much Mm. and anyway so this medical officer said and and look I'm going to actually read this bit out okay uh and this was actually in the trial and goes kind of to what you were just saying he said uh Mr Pike had not been remorseful he had said he could take his own life which would be very simple um and then this medical officer goes on to diagnose him as suffering from grandiose delusions. And he said that he didn't believe that David was like acting or like play acting. And, and he recommended that he stay under observation. It, it also mentioned a bit more about what had happened to Jenny. It said her body had shown signs of trigger warning. Yeah. Trigger warning guys. It's the rest of the app's going to get a bit grim. Yeah. So she had, uh, signs of, of strangulation, Mm-hmm. And there was a severe head wound and they... Wasn't she asleep when he attacked her? Yeah. But I'll get to that because... Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, she was asleep and that's part of the reason why there's... Down the line after, you know, after all the court appearances, it, the Canberra Times went on to say at the time, this was one of the most brutal and gruesome murders ever in the history of the ACT because it was completely unprovoked and she had, um, she was asleep and had no, it was completely defenseless. So, you know, it's really fucking terrible, but yeah, she, she'd been strangled. She had a really severe head wound and they found a bloodstained whiskey bottle. It then goes on to talk about the guy who found her body 
And now his name was Mark Waugh and, and he said he'd known Jen, Jenny Young for six years and that she'd been, and, and these are his words, a habitual heroin user. So mm-hmm. this now makes sense of the white powder that they found. Um, and she apparently was like a dealer. She was selling, you know, drugs to support her, her addiction. So Ah, oh, oh, hang on. Wait a sec. I'm wondering now if he was targeting people who were selling drugs and I think that's what he was tasked with by this checkerboard was to clean up the streets. I'm wondering if that was a thing. I'm really grasping at straws here. It's just because little bits of my memory are just coming back. Obviously, I'm a lot older than I was then. Well, I think the more like I kind of deep dive into these articles, it's probably going to trigger bits of memory for you. So um, now look, this guy, Mark, he was granted immunity from being prosecuted because... He, he was gave, also a dealer. Well, he he was buying. He went there to buy oh, drugs, basically. Right. So he, you know, he incriminates himself by saying, yeah, basically I went there to score. Um, and he went to her house two nights before she died to buy drugs, which makes it May 29. And when he went there, there were three guys with her, two dark-haired guys and a blonde guy. That'll be David Pike. Exactly. Blonde was, was David. So he then goes on to say he went back to Jenny's flat around 2, 2.30 p.m. with a half full bottle of whiskey. I think he brought the whiskey bottle. Oh. Fuck. And he said they just kind of partied, you know, like Jenny was still there with the blonde guy who we think was mm. David and they were in the flat and they got stoned and drunk. And then, like I said, I don't know if that was his whiskey bottle, but yeah, they did find that blood stained whiskey yeah. bottle that was used to basically bash her over the head. So anyway, the article then goes on to say that this guy, Mark, woke up the next day still in her flat, um, but Jenny and the blonde guy had gone. And he left her flat around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then the next night, and so this must be May 31. The night of the murder. Yes. Uh, he went to her flat and saw a window open, and there were two notes on the front door. And one was in Jenny's handwriting that said, Back soon. Jay and the other ones were signed Simon. Did you know anyone called Simon? Yeah, I knew Simons, but not at that time, I Maybe don't think. They might go on to say his surname, actually. Um, we'll see. But anyway, so this guy waited around for a few minutes, this guy Mark. Um, I think he probably went there to score again um, and then just kind of left. And then the next day he went back to her house around lunchtime and saw that the notes were still on the door. And the window was open. So apparently um, her flat was on the ground floor. And this guy, Mark, went round to another window and looked in her bedroom and saw her body lying across <gasps> the bed with a massive bloodstain near her head. Oof. Yeah. Fuck. So what did he do? Call the police? So he called the police and, uh-huh. you know, obviously then was dragged in and gave his whole account. And then... There's another Canberra Times article. This one's from the next day, Wednesday, 19th of August, 1987. And I think this must have been um, in the middle of his court hearing because the headline starts off by saying, Youth says friend admitted killing. Exactly you. This is what happened to you. He basically Mm. admitted to you that he'd done this. And it goes on to say, um, the man accused of murdering a woman in her lion's flat... uh, told a 15-year-old friend he had strangled 
Ms. Jennifer Margaret Young because she belonged to an anti-terrorist organisation and had targeted his group of friends. It then goes on to say that he killed Jenny because she belonged to Checkerboard. It mentions Checkerboard. It says Checkerboard. It says... Uh, David Michelle, did you do any in, in, any deep diving to see if Checkerboard was real? Oh, I don't. Because think... here's me like making fun of him, just saying I belong to an organisation called Say What You See, but actually it might be a real thing. Look, I I can't find anything on on the internet from this time. You know, I there's no pictures. It's not, is it? It's not it's real. It's not easy. And yeah. come on, like it's fucking bullshit. He's it's in his head. He yeah. must have made this up. And I think you've yeah. hit the nail on the head where you were like, I'm sitting in a chess pit and he's saying he belongs to checkerboard. Like, yeah. fucking come on. So I think it's bullshit. But he was recruiting people into checkerboard. Yes. And I'm wondering if those two boys, because um, there were two boys that were absolutely taken in from my group. I know their names. I won't say them on air. Well, the, but... there are some names. And if okay. I say them, maybe... Look, I'll put my hand up. One of them, <laughs> one of them in the witness box was Chris Stevenson. Hey, Chris Stevenson, no, don't no. remember. And Mr. Simon Bowak, B O W A K. No. Okay, so they're all over the Canberra Times. So okay. you know they're they're they were in court, and um, so checkerboard, he said, was an organisation aimed at kind of splitting up groups with potential for terrorism. So it was an anti-terrorist. Group, ah. Right? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he said that Jenny belonged to Checkerboard and so did he. Yeah. But he And said, that's why he was there trying to break us up because we had the potential for terrorism. Well, I don't know because it then goes on to say he said he killed Jenny to save his friends because she had gone crazy and was connected with a lot of suicides among group members. Which oh what the fuck I don't I don't know anyone who was like committing suicide around that time maybe I just didn't know about it did you have any friends at that time who were I did just say didn't I that yeah you had someone who tried I did who ended yeah. up in but topic. you know what Michelle I have to say this sounds to me it sounds far fetched right now but not really compared to what we've been talking about on this podcast no. you know with the <laughs> Keith Ranieri's of the yes. group of the you know. The cult members, the cult leaders, it, it's not that far-fetched after all. It might be the ramblings of a schizophrenic, but actually, potentially, it has the potential to be true. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, you don't know. And if anyone does know anything more about Checkerboard, please get in touch because... Please write in. Please, please with that pen and paper. Um, so anyway, uh, back to this article... Uh, this guy, Chris Stevenson, was in the witness box and he said he'd known David for two months before he killed Jenny. And that on May 30, uh, David had taken him to this flat in Lyons uh, who, that, where this guy, Simon Bowick, lived, which was opposite Jenny's flat. Okay. And he'd stayed there because he had nowhere to stay. And this ties into you with the checkerboard. I mean... Um, like uh, the chess pit where people just go there because they're a bit homeless. Yeah. And he, and, you know, David had obviously taken this guy back and tried I to get him somewhere to stay. I also heard that I knew that he 
he would sleep under stairs and things. He yes. would, he was yes. homeless. Even that's yeah. why I was surprised when we were taking him around to his parents' house because I thought well, you don't live here, because he was always sleeping uh, under stairs or in all sorts of different places. God knows where he was staying most of the time. Well, I I'm pretty we all sure... did by the way. We yeah. would all do that. I'd spent a night under some stairs in a block of flats one night. Yeah, I I never did that. I ended up just living in um... your mum's house. No, 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 no. In um... Oh God! One of those govy places right in the centre of town, Havelock oh, okay. House. Havelock House. I lived oh, in. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, I like. I didn't mind that one, but um, but anyway, uh, he he was apparently collecting the payments for drug deals. This is uh, who was David? Oh, so David said to this guy, "Go go next door and get these um, get the money for the drugs." And uh, actually. Maybe David ended up doing it because when he got back, the the this guy Chris Stevenson had fallen asleep, and in the morning, he had um, he was back in the flat with six hundred and fifty in cash and a bag containing drugs. So you know how you said he always had money. I mm. think it's because he was like either dealing or mm. being some kind of go between. Who knows? But anyway, um, the it says then the two had gone to Civic where they met up with some friends, and uh, David took them out for food and then they went to the movies and then he booked a room at a hotel for them. Mm, this all sounds very familiar. Yes, he used to buy us food, I remember now. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the money. Gus's cheesecake, I was thinking, I never had money for Gus's cheesecake. Yeah. I think he must have bought it. Yeah, maybe. Um, now, look, I was thinking, if he went to Civic to go to the movies... I looked this up, like what would have been the big movie he went to in 1987? Total Recall? No. No, you are very close. What What I did my research on and what came out literally two days before he killed this woman. The Exorcist. No. Uh, lethal Weapon. Oh. Mel Gibson. Mel right? Gibson. Now, look, I don't know if he really went to see Lethal Weapon or not, but Mel Gibson, Lethal Weapon, it could yeah. could be... Could be. Could be. And I mean, you, you, I mean, he, that was when Mel was still kind of hot back in those days. Uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> I never went for the mullet. No, no. And actually, when he was in Gallipoli, I preferred the blonde Yeah, one. me too. Yeah. Mark Lee. Yeah. Is that his name? Yes. I know this because yeah. I wrote him a fan letter when I was oh old of like God. six years old or something. God, I remember like watching him in Gallipoli and just in my little tiny. What are your legs? Steel Springs. What are they going to do? Yeah. Hell you down the track. <laughs> and what's the next thing they say? No idea. I can't remember. I, can't remember. I used to know it off by heart. I've saw. I've seen that film so many times. I, I love haven't. It. I should really rewatch that. Mm. But I was in love with Mark Lee and begged Jen, please, Jen, can you send this um, letter, fan letter to him? God knows where I even got the address from. Where do you get the address at that I age? I don't know. And I actually even remember what I what wrote. What did you say? Um, Dear Mark Lee. Dear Mark Lee, I would like to congratulate you on your fine performance in Gallipoli. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Michelle, I feel very, I feel like I can say whatever happened to Mark Lee's career. That is true. I'll I'll give you that one. Yeah. I mean, Ben Mendelsohn's got it all over Mark Lee. Give Ben a break. Yeah. And Noah Taylor. (laughs) Anyway, um, God knows whether he went to see Lethal Weapon or not, but maybe. It's a maybe. Right. Uh, so apparently back to, back to David, 
Uh, he told this friend um, that he had committed murder 89 other times, not counting what? Jenny. Yes. 89 other times, right? Uh-huh. And, busy boy. Yeah. God, busy boy. And then uh, this guy, Chris Stevenson, said uh, they went up to this mo- motel room that David had um, bought for them for the night. And then they played Murder in the Dark. And oh. then he told everyone about how he killed Jenny and that he used a whiskey bottle to make it look like she'd been bashed. But what actually he did was some awful things. Yeah, exactly. So then the next day, uh, David and these kids went to the foundry in the Civic Youth Centre. I don't yeah, remember yeah. the foundry. I do. Do you? Yep. Is that where? I saw Fugazi there. Oh, because I was trying to think whether or not that was youth where cafe. I used to go. Yeah, the youth Oh, cafe. no, maybe it's not that. Foundry. I definitely know the foundry. I yeah, because I'm trying to figure out whether or not that was where I used to go to get like the Hare Krishna food, which was fucking delicious. But oh yeah, I'm always there getting getting the free food. But uh, so this kid obviously got a bit freaked out and and thought maybe I need to write a statement and tell the police about what he just told me about this murder. But kind of, you know, just sort of shrugged it off, and then he told the police that that David had confessed anyway it, and there down the line there were some confession notes that were printed in the Canberra Times and like you there's an, there's another article where basically David told friends he'd murdered this person and all these people shrugged it off because and this was written they thought he was a harmless eccentric who mm. used to rave on a lot well that's exactly yeah. how I felt about him as well and that he, and that one guy and Anthony Adams, did you know him? Yes, I did. He was mentioned of, in the pa- in the okay, paper because it was him and another boy who I won't mention unless his name is mentioned, who were with him all the time. They were so taken in, and Anthony uh, was a bit of a naughty boy. He right. was also the son of a policeman, police quite high up in the police. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, he testified. And he said that David would often tell far-fetched stories and told all his mates that they were all aliens who would be reincarnated. And he also talked to them about checkerboard. See, more cult stuff. More cult stuff. More cult stuff. Yeah. Because I know some cults that tell people that. Yeah. Scientology. So apparently on the night he killed Jenny, David told Anthony that he'd strangled Jenny because she'd been a member of the group of Checkerboard and was going to kill his friends and of course Anthony didn't believe him because David was always making well I was with Anthony when he when he told us yeah so he was part of my friendship group at that time right okay so there are these two confession notes that David wrote and look I'll read them out because the first one starts like this it says I murdered Jenny. I smashed her across the head twice with an empty whiskey bottle, then strangled her to death. Signed, David Pike. <laughs> I mean, right. okay. fucking perfunctory. But then the second one gets a little more graphic. And if you're oh, squeamish, trigger just, warning yeah, again. tune yeah. up. It says here, um, the person in question is a dope, hash, cocaine and heroin dealer. Her name is Jenny. David Pike killed her. So he's gone into like third person here like he's, right. he's writing this yeah. but say naming himself as David Pike mm-hmm. then it goes he hit her over the head with a whiskey bottle she woke up and started screaming 
I started strangling her. So now he's back to first person, right? right? Okay. He says, I started strangling her and then placed my leg on her neck to crush her windpipe, thus completing the sanction. I have removed relevant... The sanction? Yes. I have removed relevant documents containing the collective of friends so as not to involve them. David Pike will not be taken alive. Signed, David Pike. So... The list, the police did mention a list to us. Yes. And we knew that we were on, our names were on a list. Yeah. So when he confessed in court, there were this, there was this other weird thing. And like you said, when he was like waving to everyone, it was reported in the, in the paper that he was completely without emotion, like during the whole sentencing. And he gave these really chilling details of the case in a matter-of-fact voice. Um, Basically, uh, like, he said that um, Jenny had led him into the flat. They talked for a bit. Then she did a tarot reading. Oh. Yeah, weird. And then she boiled some water, basically, to use for her injection, like Mm -hmm. heroin, heroin injection. And then it said she fell asleep. But honestly, if she's just, like, shot up I think she's probably she's nodded off she's nodded yeah. off right and to be honest I considering what happened to her I think that was for the best because mm-hmm. if she'd nodded off she wouldn't have felt a thing thank god apparently when she nodded off David looked around her flat and saw all these papers which might be what you say is the list and he thought that they were dossiers on his mates and apparently all these papers had been stamped with a stamp that said cancellation. Now, in his mind, apparently he thought that that cancellation meant that Jenny was going to murder all his friends who were stamped with that word. Right. So basically, um, he he said that he thought it was more important to save the, fi- the lives of 15 people by killing one person. Oh so God. he picked up the empty whiskey bottle and slammed it on her head twice while she was asleep. And... And this bit is really disturbing. And again, please tune out if you don't want to hear this. Apparently she woke up and, and this is a quote from the paper, made noises like when a cat meows loudly. So then he strangled her and pushed his knee on her throat until she died. fucking hell. I know. And then he put a log of wood across her throat. Where did he get a log of wood from? Who fucking knows? Like. And why did you put, why did he put it across her throat? No idea. Absolutely Surely she was no dead idea. by then. Yes, I fucking hope so because you wouldn't want to be alive. But that bit about her making noises just mm, I don't like that. made my blood run cold. No, no, no. Then he stole 764 bucks from her bag and all her drugs and then apparently took all the dossiers that had been stamped with this cancellation, burned them and scattered the ashes in Lake Burley Griffin. That's a that's quite a um, ceremonial type of thing to do. If he even did it, if he even burned them, because yeah. really, do you, I perhaps don't, it was all. Perhaps fancy. he made up all these papers, yeah. and maybe this is the list, you know. So anyway, so there's no physical evidence of a list. No, because he apparently mm. burned it. So okay, that's what happened. So then, and so then it came yeah. to sen- sentencing. Yeah. Right. So, like I said, the judge said it was one of the worst crimes ever committed in the ACT. Yeah. Is that and, Justice Gallup? Uh, yes, I think it was, actually. My friend uh, who became a lawyer 
I yeah, she used to take me to the courts all the time. We'd have to sit. She adored Justice Gallup. Oh, how come you were in there all the time? Bloody hell, Jesus! I know because she was she was studying law, and I had to accompany her. Okay. (laughs) Well, look, the judge was basically like he showed no remorse. Um, Apparently, he said in court he had no feelings about the murder, and apparently he said, "If you feel sad because someone dies, you're useless." Emotions are a oh. stupid part of the human system. That's a direct quote. Wow. Yeah. From David Pike. Wow. So saying shit like that is not going to do you any favours in court. And they determined pretty much that he was going to kill again. So the judge gave him life. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he... So he where was, is he now? Well, he, went, he got sent to Long Bay. And, and this is maybe what you had read, where he was writing poetry in his own blood. Yeah. And he was diagnosed as psychotic with schizophrenia and narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah. And yeah. and basically the judge said he's a danger to society and mm. he would kill and again. And it looks like he will kill again. Exactly. Yeah, I read all that. Yeah. Now, wow. what's interesting too is that, you know, like you said, he was he was a compulsive liar and he was actually diagnosed as as being a compulsive liar. And also what's interesting is that there was this whole piece in the Canberra Times about his parents who were actually really good people and had tried to to really look after him. And for a couple of years before the murder, they had said that they thought he was going to kill, but they thought he would kill a family member. I bet they were thrilled when he brought back all these lovely children. You know, I think he was breaking to... in. I don't think his parents were no, there. No, the parents there. were there. I met his mum. Oh, no, his parents were not there when I was there. We just went to the house. Yeah, Her right. was there when I went there. Yeah. And she was thrilled. She was really happy. She was like, oh, this is nice. Oh, he's got normal friends. Yeah. I think what's also chilling is that, you know, the judge took all of this into, into account about his parents basically giving him, like, this really great childhood. And he came to the conclusion that David hadn't had a disturbed childhood. Yeah. So it... it it wasn't that he had come from hardship and that's what made him kill. It was just no. who he was. So that whole whole uh, argument of do, does society make a killer or does are you born a killer or does your environment make you a killer? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Exactly. It's not, it's, that's unanswerable in this particular case because he was mentally ill. He was schizophrenic. He He had narcissistic personality disorder of the grossest kind, apparently, of the erratic, dramatic type I read somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So it's heartbreaking that a a young man can can end up in that position and take, obviously, a life. Obviously, Jenny was a person as well. Yeah. And even though she was a drug addict, she's still a human being. Of course. And you know, it's, by all accounts, it seems like she had loads of friends, was well-liked, you know. Yeah. Look, I did some digging about where is he now because I yeah. thought, is he still fucking in prison? So obviously when you're trying to, like, research someone, the first thing you do to go to face is go to Facebook. Oh, I did not know that's what you do. Of course you do. You go to Facebook. Go to social okay. media. <laughs> and do you know what? I think he has a Facebook page. Whoa. I look, I don't know. I don't know if it's his because basically there's no photograph of him. Mm-hmm. There are no pictures. It doesn't say, um, I mean, there's nothing that indicates that. It, Residing at no, Goulburn Jail nothing or like wherever that. it is. But it is David Glenn Pike from oh. Canberra. Oh, that would be him then. That's what I think, right? And But then I was thinking, fuck, is it even allowed? Like if he's in prison... 
Are they even allowed to have the internet? Are they allowed to have a Facebook page? Well, I was. Do you remember I was telling you I recently listened to a Case Files ep- episode on Ivan Milat, the backpacker killer, the mm-hmm. Belangelo State Forest, because I wasn't in Australia when that happened, and I just wanted to, you know, know a bit more about the case. Apparently, Milat at one point. Uh, chopped off his pinky with a plastic spoon or something because they wouldn't let him have a PlayStation. If you go to his profile, and like I said, there are no pictures on there. He has no friends. He has no check-ins, nothing. So who knows? But anyway. If Checking you- in at soli- solitary confinement. <laughs> Checking in at the television room. Exactly. Checking in at the lavatory. <laughs> Look, I mean, there's not much on there. You, anyone can go on there. Just type in David Glenn Pike, Canberra. And there's a, there's a post on there from 2004, and I'll read it out to you because it says, So yes, I have been hiding in the darkness and only popping my head out for this brief glimpse of world before submerging back in. I am alive and not dead for those who wonder. I owe many messages and many calls to everyone I know, but given I tend to run deep in the darkness, I will no doubt, no doubt fail to stay in the real world long enough to do the right thing. So as a catch-all, I send a virtual hug to everyone who is owed one or to anyone who simply needs one. Hopefully my next breath of reality will not be so far in the future. Okay. Um, what well, the actual fuck? Three feelings I'm feeling right now. I'm thinking, oh, that's nice. He wants to give everyone a hug. Don't hug too tight. <laughs> and the other thing I'm thinking is, oh, shit, Michelle, I hope he doesn't listen to this part. I know that he's going to come after us. <laughs> <laughs> But look, I'm pretty safe where actually we're both pretty safe yeah, where we we're, are, yeah, especially in a pandemic. Safe. No one can travel. No, of course not. But look, there are all of these comments, um, a lot of them from girls, um, and they all say, "Oh, are you referring to uh, a game called?" I mean, I think they they say "Wow," and I was like, "What the fuck's Wow?" And then I looked it up. It's, oh, World of Warcraft. Yes, you know it. I yes, even yes. know that. Yes, you do. Well done. That's because you've got Thank boys. You young boy in my life yes. yeah there are all these comments like you know uh people are like we miss you we miss you and then there's mm-hmm. then there's another comment that says from some dude heading through your neck of the woods in 10 days let me know if you're up for a visit it's been way too long okay visit prison well, visit okay i don't know yeah. i don't know is he in prison is he out I don't know. No, because he got life, Michelle. Yes, I know, but people can get out on bail. Not bail. Um, good, t- good behavior. Good behavior. Not when you're in a mental, mentally secure. I don't uh, you know. know. I don't know. And I would say that he probably hasn't stopped writing letters in his own blood. On his Facebook page, it, it looks like he's actually developed some games, like Azeroth oh. games, or I don't know, some kind of weird things, which ties into what I remember of him being involved in all this, you know, okay. weird Dungeon and Dragons world. And maybe he's, you know, now like gaming because he's smart. He's a smart dude. And if they gave him any kind of software, maybe he's de- developing this kind of thing. But who knows? I'm feeling a little bit chilly. I feel I've a got bit the heating chilled. blasting here and I'm feeling a little bit cold inside. <laughs> baby, Michelle. it's cold inside. Yes. Baby. But anyway, it's nearly Christmas, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, well, look, have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you. I've got a white Christmas. Oh, good for you. I know. And I've got a sunny one so far. Very sunny out there. Oh, Not that cold at all. No, it's dumps of snow outside. Might go for a little ski now. Dumps. Dumps. Is that what they call Is that the official name for it? Yeah, it's a bit different to what Aussies mean by a dump. <laughs> 
okay, darling. Well, thank you for updating me on David Pike and the uh, that particular hometown murder. We do have more hometown murders. We will just drop them every now and again, I think, because one one every now and again is just more than enough. I know, and it does freak me out when I think we knew a murderer. Ah! All right. Oh, yeah. Let's hope we don't meet any more. Thank you. Thank for you. For your chat. Adios. And thank you to the audience for <laughs> eavesdropping. <laughs> and Merry Christmas. Eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.